y'all stand this morning as we worship together. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay.
pray together. Heavenly Father, we are grateful you give us the opportunity this morning to gather here to worship you. We thank you that you love us, that you never leave us nor forsake us, and that even in a time where there has been so much upheaval and unrest around us, we have the calming assurance that you are our King, that over all the universe you are King of kings and Lord of lords. And this morning we, God, we just thank you for that great grace that you've given to us. God, we pray for many that are sick in our community around the world, many who are hurting because of the virus, many who are suffering with depression and loneliness because of their separation from loved ones. Many who are, are hurting. God, we just ask that you give them comfort and grace. That your love would endure for them. God, we pray for healing for those who are sick. God, comfort for those who have lost. God, we pray that you would lead and guide our church. That in this dark time we would be light in a world that desperately needs it. That we would not cease the work that you have before us. But we would worship you and you alone. God, I pray that as we sing today, as our offering is received, as your word is proclaimed, that we would, God, we would have worship. We would offer worship that is pleasing to you. That God, our hearts would not be distracted by the times and by the things of this world, by the things that are happening around us and in our own lives, but that, God, we would set aside those things and worship you and you alone this morning. God, we pray for our sister churches all around the world who gather also, that in each community they represent, that they would be light in the darkness. For those who, who serve you as missionaries around the world, God, that you would encourage them this morning, that their work would be fruitful, and that many would hear the gospel through their message. God, we are grateful that you have called us your own. You have made us a people. That you sent your son so that he could die in our place. Through his death, we would have life. And we rejoice in it this morning as we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Shall come to thee, O oh, Israel. 
This morning we come to you and we thank you that so many years ago to a nation that was hurting and in pain, Father God, you came as a king, yet not the king they were expecting. And Father God, that king became the king of our hearts, the king of our lives, Father God, and the king of glory. Father God, the nation of Israel may not have understood at the time, but Father, we thank you that you came as a savior to us all, that you ransomed captive Israel. Father God, that Emmanuel became God with us, that we could have life more abundant than we could have ever imagined. This morning, Father God, we pray that we would not forget the promise of Christmas, Father God, that we would not forget the promise of the New Testament that you have brought us an opportunity to have the Spirit within us, leading, guiding us every moment of our lives. Let us not take that for granted, Father, but let us use that to your glory. Let us be the people that you've called us to be. Let us allow the change that you want in our lives. This morning we pray that we would be receptive, that we would listen, and that we would have hearts that desire your will and your glory. Father God, we love you, and it's in your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Y'all may be seated.
I don't want to invite you to turn with me this morning to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 6. As you're turning there, I would remind you of, uh, of next Sunday as we'll be having our, our Christmas uh, lunch uh, after our morning service, and we'll be spreading the, the tables out through the, the gym there, and uh, just uh, invite you to bring uh, some of your favorite uh, dishes, and we'll uh, fellowship uh, together. It has uh, certainly been uh, a different type of year, and I am glad that we can do things like fellowship uh, this coming uh, Sunday for Christmas. Um, it gives us some sense of normalcy in a time that we know is quite, or at least we hope is quite abnormal and uh, not a new normal, um, and we hope that... Uh, Maybe some of that normalcy is not far off. We'll also be having our uh, fourth quarter uh, business uh, meeting and business time. Uh, it should be brief, would be my expectation. Uh, the note that will be brought to you is just that we would leave, uh, as I mentioned last Sunday, everything in place uh, for the next six months uh, with our uh, deacons and with our other um, uh, leadership positions and with our financial um, budget that we would just leave all of that in place for the next six months and then have um, kind of a reevaluation then uh, when hopefully things are a little bit more normal and it feels like uh, a better time to ask people to serve in various uh, positions and so uh, keep that in mind for next week. As we think about Acts chapter 6, we, we come to an important moment in the church. As in the church, in the early church, uh, there nearly 2,000 years ago, there a, a need arose among the people. Uh, and out of that need, there was a call to service. And service is, service is an important part of the work that is done in ministry. Because as the church grew, that meant that the work grew. That meant there was much more to do, but the question was, how would that work be accomplished? It was important work that needed to be done, and yet it was not the most important work. And so the question became, what would we do with it? Service is something that is tied very closely to our Lord and Savior. As we think about Mark's Gospel in chapter 10 and verse 45, Jesus says to those around him that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. The theme of service runs through the New Testament. Our Savior saw himself and understood himself and presented himself and carried himself as a servant of those around him. Though, as we understand, he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so if the King of kings and Lord of lords would consider himself to be a servant and demonstrate service to those around him, then we would understand that service is a vital part of our Christian walk. How do we see that laid out in these beginning days of the church as the church begins? 
Let's look together at Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, and I'm going to be reading down through verse 10. Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 1 through verse 10. If you're able this morning, I invite you to stand with me in reverence to God's Word as we read it together. Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says this, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Paramenus, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And they set before the apostles and they laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those of Sicilia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. You may be seated. A call goes out because there is a need for service. There's a need for all of those who are a part of the ministry to receive this service. It's a very practical problem that begins to happen here. We remember from previous chapters that they've had all things in common. That the church has come together and those who had things sold them off so that no one would be in need. But even in the best of circumstances, sometimes problems still arise. And that's what happens here at the beginning of chapter 6. There's a complaint. A complaint between those who are Greek-speaking Jews and those who are Hebrew and Hebrew-speaking Jews. If we remember back when the day of Pentecost happened, we we looked at this in Acts chapter 2. People had come, Jewish people had come from all over the world. Remember, the Jewish people have very frequently, as they still are in many ways, scattered about. While now, in in 2020, there is a a homeland for the Jewish people in Israel, they are still scattered about. There are more Jews scattered about than there are in Israel. And that was the case in this day. They are scattered about. But they had all come to Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. And so some of them were from Jerusalem. They were were, uh, from that area. They lived in that area. But others had come from other parts of the world. And they would be these Greek-speaking Jews. And when God saved them, as we remember, each one of them heard the Word of God, heard the message of God, heard the message of the apostles in their own language. 
And thousands at this point have come to follow Christ. But there became this issue because some, according to them, some of these widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. So they they had a mind and a heart to take care of those in need, but apparently some were being neglected. Even as the ministry was taking off, even as everything was going well, there became a practical problem that needed to be solved. And so they come because this complaint has raised up. They come and they, they come to the twelve and they say, we, we need you to fix this. And what do the twelve do? They, they stop everything they're doing and they fix it, right? No. They say, you need to, to pull together some men who can take this responsibility because our calling and our responsibility is to preach God's word. We, we can't stop doing that to take care of this practical need. Now, some of you might look at this, and I think some people look at this and say, well, this is terrible. Obviously, they should just stop what they're doing and, and, and take care of these widows. But friends, what has been changing everything? It's been the preaching of God's Word. Remember, it didn't start out by them saying, okay, we, we're going to get together some food, and we're going to begin taking care of people, and if we'll take care of them, then, then they'll... You know, we'll have an opportunity maybe at the end to tag something on. That's not what had happened. Remember, when Jesus fed thousands, he had been preaching and he wanted to keep them longer. They say that we can't neglect sharing and preaching the God's word to take care of this problem. And so you need to pick some men and we will lay hands on them. We will confirm them and they will take care of this problem because the church must function in this way. And they do so. And much good comes out of it. So I want us to think about service this morning. And what we see here in these passages as it relates to service and the preaching of the Word. The first thing we see in verse 1, the preaching of the Word necessitates service. The preaching of the Word necessitates service. And in those days we see in verse 1, in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint came about because some widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Why had that taken place? Why is there a problem to start with? It's because the Word of God was being proclaimed, and the Word of God changes people, and the Word of God saves people. And when people hear the Word of God, and it makes a difference in their life, it changes their life, they come to know Christ, it's going to necessitate that service take place. Let me promise you, if they had started out as a service organization... They would not have needed as much service as they did because they started out as a preaching organization. Now think about that. They grew. The numbers grew. People came to know the Lord because the Word of God was preached. But when the Word of God is preached, it will necessitate service. The growth of the church meant that there would be needs that must be met and administration that must take place. That will always be the case. When when a church preaches the Word of God, people's lives will be impacted. People's lives will be changed. 
people will have radical transformation take place in their heart when the Word of God is preached. But that's going to come with a need to serve people. It's going to happen. It's going to happen, and we see it take place here. Even in the midst of this really good ministry, problems begin to arise because service and administration is necessary in the church. Now, as we think about this text, this is one of the texts, and and there are others that we see later on in Paul's writings that, that connect us with the idea of the offices of the church. The office of a pastor and the office of deacon. And we have here this calling of these first men who would be the first seven deacons of the church. And what role do they take? They, they serve the people of God. They serve the people of God so that needs are met among the people of God. That's why we, we do things such as in this pandemic, we've, we've given each one of our deacons the name of, of one of our folks who we kind of maybe considered the most vulnerable to the virus and made sure that people knew they could call on them if they had some need. And we've, we've seen things like taking food and, and making sure that, that someone had firewood and, and making sure someone just got a, a phone call in case they were lonely, making sure that if they needed groceries that, that, that it would be provided for them so they did not have to get out. And why do we do that? Because if we're going to proclaim the Word of God, it's going to mean that as a church, we have to serve God's people. And you notice this is not about going out and, and just serving you know, people out there in the community. In fact, there's, there's none of that that's taking place right here. In fact, uh, and by the time we get to the end of chapter 6, the deacons have kind of ticked off people in the community. Um, because they proclaim God's word. So we need to understand that if we're going to be a place that preaches God's Word, that is going to necessitate service from God's people serving one another. We see it here in the the office of deacon as they are going to to serve in this role to make sure that everyone gets their their daily distribution, that everyone has their, their table served, that they have something to eat. But as a whole, we need to understand that, that the preaching of God's Word means that we have to serve one another Because when when people hear God's Word and it begins to change their life, it's also going to present some real needs in their life. It's going to present a reality. And we need to be happy and content and joyous in serving God's people. We're not always excited, I think, sometimes about serving people outside the church because we realize in the time in which we live, there are a lot of people who like to take advantage of that. Right? There's a, a lot of people who like to take advantage of that. We experience that all the time here at the church. That doorbell will ring or the door will be knocked on. And it's not someone seeking the Lord. It's not someone wanting to hear anything about the gospel. It's someone wanting to take something. And as often as we can, we try to serve them and love on them, sometimes even knowing that they're probably going to exploit what we have done and they don't really care. It's not going to bother them. They'll drive down to the next church. They'll do the same sort of thing. But friends, this is a discussion about service toward one another. And when the preaching of the word is taking place and God is changing people, it's just going to be necessary 
Sometimes for those who are stronger in their faith to serve those who are weaker. Sometimes for those who have been given more in this life, God has blessed them in a different way to serve those who have not been given that advantage. And we need to remember that because it's part of the preaching of the word that service will take place. But the second thing we see is the preaching of the word cannot stop for service ministries. Look what happens. And the twelve summon the full number, verse 2, of the disciples. So they get everybody together and they say, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, some people are going to hear that and say, that is really arrogant for the apostles. These brothers were too good to serve tables. I mean, that's terrible. We should, they, how ungodly could they be to have that comment? But friends, that is not at all what they are saying. These are, these are not men who have decided they do not need to serve people, that they're going to put themselves up on a pedestal where they don't need to do that. That is not what they're doing at all. In fact, they are so dedicated to the service of the Word that these men give up their lives. They die in service to the Word. What they understood, though, was if the ministry was going to go forward, they could not stop preaching and praying to go and take care of this problem. They could not stop preaching and praying to go and to serve tables. They could not exchange something that was great for something that was good. The reason they had the problem of needing tables to be served is because they had preached the Word. But if they stopped preaching the Word, they were going to find the tables would be empty. There would be no service. Friends, we need to understand that this exchange has taken place by so many churches and so many denominations. They have decided to exchange service for preaching, or rather exchange preaching for service, that, that they would set aside the preaching of the Word of God so that they could do service ministries that would look good and make them feel good, but friends, it's not their main calling. There are preachers. There are some, and I think this is wrong, who would not lift a finger and they would use the excuse of the preaching of the Word. That should not be the case. But there are plenty of people, preachers and Christians and churches, who would never share with someone the Word of God, but they would feed them a good meal. Or they would go and work on their house. Or they would make sure that they had uh, some need met, but they would never preach the Word of God. The role of the apostles was to preach and to pray, and it was way too important for them to give up. They say, we can't stop. We should not give up preaching. It is not right that we should give it up to take care of this. Now, what does that mean? That means that, that the preaching of the Word and the teaching of the Word and the prayer life of the apostles was their full-time gig. 
It means to go and take care of this, this need. Their commitment to preaching, their time with preaching and prayer was such that they would have to stop doing that to go and to serve and wait on tables and make sure that people were fed. And yet there were men in the church who could take care of that very need and that would be a good thing for them, a service for them and a service to the church. So we've got to remember that the preaching of the word cannot stop for service ministries. We cannot stop preaching just to take care of service. It's I see churches do this, and it bothers me sometimes. They'll, they'll say, we're going to take so many Sunday mornings, and we're going to go out and just kind of be in the community. Friends, if we don't have time to serve our community and to serve one another outside of the, the hour and a half that we take for a service on Sunday morning, then we've got our priorities in life wrong. Understand that. If, if that is the case... If all we have that we could ever give to each other in service and the community in service is this hour and a half that we would need to to not gather for worship to go and serve, then we've got a problem with our priorities. Because the word, the preaching of the word cannot just stop so that we can go and do some type of service ministry some type of service ministry to ourselves or to the community. So what do they do? What's the response? What, what do they take care of? They've got this problem. They say, let's call some men together and see if they can fix this. And so verse 5 tells us what they said, talking about the apostles, pleased all the people gathering. So it pleased the Hellenists, it pleased the Hebrews, it pleased everybody who was there. It pleased them that they did this. And so they call together these men. Stephen and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas. All of these guys, they call them together, and they say, these are the guys that we believe can serve the church. Verse 6, and they set before the apostles, these men, and they prayed over them, and they laid hands on them. If you wonder why we do the things that we do when we ordain a deacon, why do we have the church give us people Why do we have the congregation to give names to be a deacon? Here's the reason. Why do we gather them together and pray over them and lay hands on them? Here's the reason. These seven are called together. And what happens? Verse 7. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests came became obedient to the faith. Think about that. The priests who had been the ones who had persecuted Jesus, who were persecuting the apostles, who hated the church, they began to get saved after what happens. After the focus remains on the Word and the ministry needs of the congregation are met. What does that tell us? The preaching of the Word is enhanced by godly service. If you thought they were doing a really good job before, and clearly they were, it only gets better. The ministry of the church gets better when these seven men are put into place to serve the church. Now, it doesn't say they're they're not called necessarily to, to be the ones proclaiming the word, although we see in Stephen later on that he is certainly that. 
He is the one who is out, and he is proclaiming the word, and it costs him ultimately his life. But the work that is being done is enhanced by this godly service. The word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem after they called these men together, these men who were to be of faith, these men who were to be of wisdom, of the Holy Spirit, these men who they call together enhance the work that is being done. Friends, that goes for all service in the church. Not just the service of the deacons. But friends, when you serve one another, when you take care of the needs in others' lives within the church, it enhances the ministry of the church. Do you know why or part of why that is? Friends, that makes us unique in the time in which we live. It makes us unique. I think Kenny in his kind of opening or in his prayer time was talking about the the fear, the the fear that, that people have experienced this year. And it's it's not fear that's completely unfounded. But think about what it says that we would continue to serve one another. Even though there are things out there to be fearful of. What does it say about God's church that we would continue to serve one another in the midst of a global pandemic? Now, some in the world may look at that and say, well, that's, that's dumb. You, you could be going and helping somebody and, and you could end up getting sick and, and it could cost you your life. But friends, we're, we're not called to simply serve one another. And to serve a community that's lost and dying when it's really easy. Because if we were, this book would be much shorter. This book of Acts that we're studying would be largely non-existent. Because it's in the midst of great difficulty. In the midst of great difficulty that these folks served one another. The Stephen, the first one who is listed here, he is so committed to his service and his calling as a deacon in God's church that he gives his life. Not not way down the road after his calling, but friends, right here. Not many days from now. He gives his life in service to the kingdom. Because he understood, and these deacons understood, and we still understand now, that service to the church, service to the kingdom, enhances the preaching of the word. And so when, when someone you work with, or, or someone that's your neighbor, they, they hear about your service to another who's in our church, friends, they don't see that everywhere else. We still live in a a rural southern context, and so there still are elements of of southern hospitality where you might help your neighbor or encourage someone or or help someone in the community. I'm glad we live in that type place and not in the type places where that doesn't happen. But we still must understand that our service to one another, our love toward one another is unique. 
in a place that, that prides itself on independence, that, that prides itself on, on each person getting ahead for themselves. That's what our, our country and our culture teaches. This rugged individualism where it's, it's all about what you can accumulate for yourself, and yet we're told by our God that His Son came to serve others and not to be served. Therefore, we must become servants of others. And when we will serve one another and truly love one another and care for one another's needs and be compassionate toward one another in times of crisis, it will enhance the preaching of the church. Just to, to just be completely real with you, it's a lot easier to be your pastor knowing that you're not a bunch of jerks. Because there are a lot of churches that the people are a bunch of jerks. And when that's the case, it's really hard to stand up in front of them and talk about what a great people they are and how if you're, you know, if you're visiting, you're going to be loved here and welcomed here. It's more like, no, these people are all a bunch of jerks. And I'm just trying to find another job so I don't have to be with a bunch of jerks. I'm glad it's not the case. Because I've been in churches where that really is the case. And what does that do? It hurts the preaching of the ministry. It hurts the preaching of the Word. It makes it seem like the Word has not been effective in the lives of the people who are hearing it. But friends, when we serve one another, when you serve each other, when you love each other, it enhances the preaching of the ministry. It enhances the preaching of the Word. That's what these deacons did. They, they covered this need, this very practical need. Some of the widows are getting their food and some are not, and we need to fix this. And so these seven men come in and their job is to administrate this ministry that is going on in the church, to administer what is happening, the, the practical ministries of the church. These deacons are called to, to run those and care for those and give oversight to those and ensure that those run smoothly so that those who are preaching the word can continue to preach. But it doesn't just enhance the ministry. We pick up in verse 8 looking at the beginning of, of some of the texts that we'll see about the life of Stephen. And we see the preaching of the word is extended by servants of faith and wisdom. The preaching of the word is extended by servants of faith and wisdom. Look, Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. And then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and from the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians and those from Sicilia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen. And they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. So he's, he's bold. Stephen is bold. And so he understands that his job is not just to wait on tables. Although I would imagine he was the best server of the tables. He had fully committed himself to this. He did not see this as a lowly job. From time to time, we have roles and jobs in the church that just don't seem that glamorous. And you know what I've found? You may not know this. It's not an official policy in our documents. But if, if I offer you a lowly job, 
and you, I, I, I can't do that. When a better job comes about, I just erase your name from my paper. Oh, you say, preacher, that's not fair. That's not in the bylaws. Yeah, but it's, it's kind of in here. Because see, this man got called to wait on tables. I mean, that's literally the job title that he starts with. And then we find out that out of that, he is full of grace and power, doing great wonders and signs among the people. He's an apologist, okay, for the faith. He is a defender of the faith. He stands up against these people in these synagogues, and they dispute with him, and they cannot overcome his wisdom. That's the guy cleaning tables. What has he done? He has extended the preaching of the word. He's extended it out. They're here, and and they, they are disputing with him. Ultimately, it is because they cannot overcome him that they will report him, and he will be arrested at later in chapter 6 and will ultimately be tried in, verse, in chapter 7. And we have in chapter 7 this great defense of the gospel. If you look, it goes on and on and on. His defense of who God is, his godly wisdom, and his preaching in verse 7 are amazing. But what did it start with? He was willing to be called out to serve tables and because of that and he being a person and a servant of faith and wisdom he extends the preaching out and now more people are hearing the gospel if they were not they would not have arrested him if he did not understand that his job was also to proclaim the good news they wouldn't have arrested him he wouldn't have been a threat he wouldn't have been scary at all Oh, that's just the guy down at the church that waits the tables. You know, that's the custodian down at the church. There's nothing to worry about with him. No, we want to attack the apostles. Those are the guys that are really preaching the word and proclaiming the word. Those are the reason all these priests have been leaving us and going over there with the Christians. We We don't want this guy. He's just the janitor. He's just the bus boy. No, 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 no. No, he was called to be a servant, not because he was really good at cleaning off tables, but because he was of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom. That was the characteristic for all seven of these men, that they be bold in their faith already, but the job of cleaning tables, the job of distributing food in the church was so important that it had to be done by men of good repute. It had to be done by men of wisdom and full of the Spirit of God. You say, well, that, that role or that job of service I have, it's not, man, it's not really that important. And yet it makes all the difference. I mean, we've been doing these food boxes on Thursdays. You know, it kind of seems to parallel a little bit with here. And You know, we get in that truck. It's cold. I don't know if you all know this or not, but apparently in the mornings it's cold, especially in a freezer truck. And we're handing out these boxes, and they're heavy. And they're awkward. They don't always tape them up the best, as we've found out with watermelons that have exploded on the parking lot. And, you know, it'd be real easy. It's just, it's monotonous, right? 
I mean, we form this line, and some of us in the truck or down on the, you know, the ground, and you're just handing these boxes out, and you're putting them in the back of a, a church van or a church trailer or a minivan or pickup truck, whatever comes by, and you're just want to get them out as quick as we can. You know, 1,248 boxes, and we get it out in another three hours. Just move them. You know, each one of those boxes is going to someone. Each one is being distributed by a church or a ministry organization. Each one is going to a family in need. Each one is going, many of them, to families who don't have anything. They're going to multiple counties throughout this region. It's one thing just think, well, this is monotonous and this is not worth anything. It's another to realize that each box is representing for that church an opportunity to have contact with someone who may have never heard the gospel. And we know from reports across the state that as this program's been going on for months and months now, there have been people who will be in heaven and it started through a food box being distributed to them. People who will experience an eternity with Christ forever who have had their sins forgiven. And somebody had the time to go to a place and pick up that box off of a truck and set it in a church van and it be taken to that person. Friends, a service is not a secondary role. The apostles are not saying that here. Service is an extension of the preaching of the word. Service is a response to the preaching of the word. I think it's appropriate we come to a text like this at Christmas. You know, I know it's not camels and donkeys and mangers and hay and angels. But in Mark 10, 45, Jesus came, Jesus says the Son of Man came. When do we celebrate that? At Christmas. His arrival, the arrival of the king in Bethlehem, the baby in the manger, he came to serve. And friends, he served us. Because that service in Mark 10.45 is, is him giving his life a ransom for many. He has ransomed us. He has served us by laying down his life so that we can have a relationship with him. Laying down his life, exchanging his life, and giving us life. He paid the penalty for us. He served us in that way. And so the calling on the Christian life is to service. These men are called because the church needed servants who would take care of this very real problem. Because we would look at this and say, oh, it's just some widows in need of their daily distribution. But let me promise you, if you're that widow who had come into the church, was a part of this fellowship, and you'd been told, hey, we're, we're going to take, take care of lunch today. We're, we're going to take care of, of supper today. 
Because you're part of our family of faith and, and we take care of each other. And lunch didn't come. And supper didn't come. It would be a big deal. And it would have a harmful effect on the reputation of the church. That here you had said you were going to take care of this widow. You were going to provide for her needs. You were going to make sure her needs were met. Because in the society in which they lived, she had nothing. She had no right. She had very little that she could depend on. And here you have come in and said, I, you can depend on us. We will take care of you because you are one of our own. And if they didn't do that, it would have this harmful effect on the reputation of the church. Because remember, there have been all kinds of people who have, who have been impressed by them. They have been impressed by what they have done. They have, they have been taken aback by, by how great a ministry these people have. Remember, they've been going house to house, preaching and teaching the Word of God. They had found favor with the people in Jerusalem. So they knew they had to take care of this problem, and they called these men to be servants of the church so that the church's ministry would be extended. I want to challenge you with this. We need to serve we need to each one of us serve to ensure the Word of God continues to be proclaimed. Because the church will have ministry needs. And if we do not meet those needs, we will not be able to proclaim His Word. We will not be able to proclaim the Word of God as He has given it to us. And so I would challenge you this morning, as we're thinking about Christmas, and, and Christmas has become all about what we get and, and what we receive and, and, and what we can get for it. And, and Friends, what about us and the calling we have to serve others? What if, what if Christmas for us is a reminder that the Son of Man came not to be served, although He certainly deserved it? but He came giving His life to serve others. If we serve, as we take on those roles in the church, as we look and see where needs are, and we try to meet the needs that others have to ensure that, that their, their need is met and that they are encouraged by the ministry of the church, it, it gives us the opportunity to continue proclaiming God's Word. But if we don't, then we'll get behind on our service and the word will be neglected. The apostles knew just that, and they said it would not be right. It would not be right to give up that time to preach in other words to serve. And so I challenge you with this this morning. Are you finding an area of service in the church? You look at, at 2020 and, oh, we've had to cancel everything. We've had to do away with, with this or that. Friends, those are programs. Opportunities for service abound. Trust me, they're there. They might be greater now than they were before. Because we do live in a time of fear. We do live in a time of desperation. We live in a time where people have seen their, their work cut back, when people have seen their, their businesses harmed, when people are suffering from, from isolation. There's opportunities to serve. And if we serve, we ensure that the Word is still proclaimed. If you say, I don't know, preacher, I don't know where to serve at, my phone number is in the bulletin along with our other pastors. We'll tell you somewhere there's to serve because there's always needs. But remember, we say, hey, you need to 
to go talk to this person. They would, they would really appreciate your encouragement. You say, well, no, I meant something more important. You've misunderstood. Because service is about what we do for God. This, this Stephen guy, he, he serves. There's no, there's, no, there's no advantage. There's no popularity. There's, he's just waiting on tables. But he serves even though it costs him his life. We need to serve, serve the church, serve one another to ensure that the word continues to be proclaimed and trust that when we do, God will extend his preaching through our service. Let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great grace that you've given us in Christ. We, we thank you that you came to, to serve you did not come to be served, but you came to serve. You gave your life a ransom for many. And so we, God, we would just ask for that same heart this morning. God, help us to, help us to serve one another, to set aside our own desires, our own ambition, and to serve you by serving others. God, let us start with those among us. God, let us see where there are needs. God, let us seek to meet those. Let us encourage those who are down, those who are hurting. God, let us serve them because we're servants of you. God, I pray that during this time when there is such struggle and heartache, that our service may be an encouragement to those who are struggling. God, our service would be an extension of your word, that it would enhance and extend your word. But God, we would never neglect your word as we serve. God, I pray that each person here would see God, that, that you've called them to serve. However that looks, whatever that looks like. God, that you've called them to serve. To give of themselves so that others might know you. God, I pray that during this time you would challenge each person here. Each person to see, God, where you would have them to serve and what you would have them to do and where you would have them to be how they can help others, how they can use the, the talents and giftedness that you give them to, to God just be a light in our community for your kingdom. God, challenge us during this time. We pray this during Christ's name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand with me as we sing this final song. Would you just pray as you're singing, would you just pray, God, God, use me for service in your church. God, use me to help someone that is hurting. Use me to, to meet some need that someone can't meet on their own. Would you just pray that, that God would use you in that way? Friends, don't, don't be comfortable sitting and watching. Don't be fearful because there's, there's a, a virus and that means I can't do anything. There's so many opportunities to serve.
people in our church who have, who have hurt, people in our church who have needs. There's so many opportunities for people outside of, of these walls. Would you just pray, God, God, help me to serve you so that your word will be proclaimed, so the ministry will be extended, and people will come to know you. Would you pray that prayer as we sing this final song? is more than